Like Call It What You Want, which we know is your favorite podcast about the beautiful game, Viore is committed to delivering a great experience for everyone, which is highlighted by their new perspective on performance apparel. Everything is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. In fact, I'm rocking their Stratotech polo right now, along with their Sunday performance jogger pants, so I can be business on top when I'm on camera, but super comfortable on the bottom. And it's just the best. Fiori gear is incredibly versatile, and it can be used for just about any activity. Running, training, swimming, lounging around, hosting podcasts, doing errands, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. And for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash call it. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash call it. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash call it and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Because with each passing week, we are one step closer to our last two friendlies in September and to the November 9th uh, deadline when Greg Berhalter and his coaching staff are going to name the final World Cup roster. So let's see how the U.S. Men's National Team player pool did this weekend. And let's get after it. Yes. What is up, everyone? And welcome to Roy Wegley's favorite podcast of soccer we trust. I'm Jimmy Cash <laughs> uh, and Conrad. Alongside Hollywood Heath Pierce and Charlie Chuckwagon Davies, that we have a great show for you today. As always, we're going to do a lap around the world for all the American players who have a legitimate chance of making the final World Cup roster. And we're going to discuss the upcoming Campiones Cup between the reigning champions of MLS and YCFC and the 2022 champion of champions from Liga MAX in Mexico, Atlas. So obviously, there's lots to discuss. Chuck, I'm going to come to you first. Anything jump out for you this weekend? Any players you want to discuss right from the get-go? Could even be Christian Pulisic and his new role under Graham Potter at Chelsea. They didn't play this weekend, so we have no Premier mm-hmm. League updates to give you. But there is a lot to discuss as to how Graham Potter could potentially utilize Christian Pulisic in his setup. Any any thoughts about anything, though? I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm not leading you into anything. You take whatever no, you want. I think it's important to touch on Jesus Ferrer and and. The 90 minutes he played against LAFC, two goals off of set pieces. Not like he's he's mind blowing you with the goals he's scoring, but it's the influence. And if you're counting six goals in five games in MLS, the guy's hot. The guy's playing. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, Brandon Vasquez, who was building this case for himself, is has gone the opposite direction since uh, really August 13th. While his team is raining goals too, like there's yeah. goals for everyone, and he's not scoring them. Is this is this? Did we give? Did we jinx him? He came on the show and he hasn't scored since. Is well, that? I can tell you this thing: if you are a striker and you're pushing for a national team spot, don't come on the you, show. And you play against Charlotte <laughs> on September 3rd, 89 minutes, zero shots, zero. Mm-hmm. 41% passing percentage. That's not going to do it. Tell him, That's, that, that is not going to do it. So I think if the roster was coming out today, given his last six games, he's not going to be on it. Now, Jordan Pifok, just looking at his presence, what he means for a top team in the Bundesliga, there is no doubt in my mind that he's not going to be involved in this in this group. So I think you're talking Jesus final World Cup roster is, or September rosters. You know what I mean? I, I think both. Okay. I, that, both. I agree with you on Jordan yeah. Pifak. I, mean, I think he's doing enough. Had 75 minutes mm-hmm. this past weekend uh, in, in their big win to go top of the table in the Bundesliga for Union Berlin. He didn't play midweek in their European contest. And I think it maybe showed that they need his presence in some capacity. I do yes. think, though, Heath Pierce, I'm going to throw to you to this. That Charlie doesn't like Brandon Vasquez. I mean, I, I thought he he, maybe he was just being nice. I, he obviously confronted him at the All Star game, saying you got to pick up your game. 
comes on the podcast, and now the slander for Brandon Vasquez is next level. No also, slander. <laughs> no, Char- but Char- Charlie's whole thing was not being wasteful with the ball, right? Um, That's right. Forty-one percent passing completion, not good enough. Yeah, it's and obviously it's obviously 60, fifty-six. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. And again, Jesus Ferrer on the flip side, and eighty-one percent, right, versus LAFC. So I mean, there's a there's a massive well, difference. A, in the I think it's an carries. LAFC that played played down a man for eighty plus minutes, and okay, you know, again, regardless, you you have to keep yeah. the ball. Oh yeah, yeah there is there is you 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 do have to keep the ball, and in fact, you'd probably have. Um, I don't know if there's a higher risk of losing the ball because they were going after them quite a bit uh, in that game, but yeah, two two. I mean, the opportunistic goal. I don't know if everybody uh, that's watching and or listening is saw the goals, but. Quick little set piece at the end, and Jesus Ferreira, I think, toe poked it uh, past the goalkeeper with pace, but a very creative way to score. Not the most unbelievable goal, but to get that at that point, and then the redirected uh, deflection free kick from uh, Gareth Bale off off of his head to go past to give them the win in the end um, was pretty amazing in terms of a. I wouldn't say it's necessarily clutch, Gene, but Charlie, you know what it's like as a striker to to come up with something out of nothing at the end, regardless of a little bit of luck on your side, has to stand for something, right? In terms of the form that he's in. Um, because he's getting a lot yes. of, or has continued to get a lot of criticism of just saying he misses a lot of chances, right? And somebody who created a compilation, and I watched a lot of them, of big chances for the national team that he missed, that you expect a striker that's a starter for the national team in 2022 for the U.S. men's national team uh, has an ability to at least challenge the ball, put the ball on frame more often than not. Do you think those criticisms are fair of him, or are we seeing a, a real-time development of, of, of uh, Jesus Ferreira more than just the goals, but his impact on a game? Well, I think that's how he got onto the national team was was not really his goal scoring. It's his involvement and his ability to come back and open up space for other players and good vision with with his passing. But ultimately, how good are is your hold up play as a nine? I think that had to develop. And if it if it's not great, then your your movement has to be absolutely phenomenal so that you don't ha- ever have to have a center back up against you while you're you're checking for the ball. So. I think he's just continued to develop, whereas Brandon Vasquez had to do X amount to get himself in the camp as a fresh face, and he hasn't done that. So, um, and, and then I'd also add against the Red Bulls on August twentieth, he had thirty five percent passing possession, playing eighty nine ah, minutes. So that's Charlie, two ah, games where it ah. just it's not goal for you. Um, so Ferreira, P folk sergeant, and, and now. Uh, it's got to be Haji Wright, right? In terms of uh, or Pepe. I mean, we'll we'll get we'll. I we're know gonna we'll, get to we'll Ricardo get Pepe. Pepe. Don't but, worry, we're getting to Ricardo Pepe. Don't worry. Um, uh, probably at the moment, Haji Wright is is the guy in terms for this camp, just on playing time, and and you're letting Ricardo Pepe continue to settle at his new club. That's interesting. I think that Pepe will get called in. I think Greg wants him to be around the group. He wasn't part of the June window, and I think we're going to see Ricardo Pepe in. And and for those that don't know, let yeah. me go back to Jesus Ferreira really quick. He just scored two goals against LAFC. It puts him at 18. That ties the single season record for an FC Dallas player. He's got three more games to break that record. He's four behind Hanny Mukhtar at the top of the MLS Golden Boot standings. I don't think he's going to catch Mukhtar, but I do think he's going to set that record. One thing I wanted to note before we move to Ricardo Pepe really quick, and we're going to go to his number one fan, Heath Pierce. Jesus Ferreira is coached by Nico Estevez, who was Greg Berhalter's assistant with the national team. And I wonder how much you think that plays into the type of communication that Jesus Ferrer is getting. Nobody, we don't, I don't blame Jesus Ferrer for this, but I do think it gives him an advantage to know that there's a direct line. Not that he just couldn't have that already with Greg, but to know that you're getting to train and maybe a system and get some feedback from a coaching perspective that you know that Greg likes and will play into giving him a better advantage. I just want to throw that out there. Paul Ariola, I think, would benefit from that as well if he ends up making the final roster, that they're both playing for the former national team assistant coach that was under Greg for, for some time. I don't think I'm not using that against them. I just think that's, that's, that's an advantage that they have that they have over other players, especially in MLS. Yeah. It's hard for me to believe that, that, uh, that there's that level of, I I don't want to say that's nepotism, but that like Estevez is going to come into a role and you know what it's like, whether you're a role player in a team or a leader in a team, you're going to have different thoughts than what's being dictated on you. And then when you get to dictate, Did, 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 uh, he got he yeah, he froze. Did he, he, he froze by saying a bad word? By the way, <laughs> yeah. um, all I know is that he said said the dick, and then he he's out. <laughs> is he talking about me calling out Nico Estevez? I don't know what's happening, Chuck. Come but, on, he, uh, yeah. he's going to come back at some point. I think yeah. he's got his wrong Wi-Fi. Uh, Dictate them, right? So Estevez uh, looking at uh, it's going to say, okay, yeah. Well, 
Oh, it's all Wait. catching up. Yeah, he's catching up. He's still frozen. <laughs> he's frozen. And it's catching up in but every 10 seconds. He's got a good he, pose he, right here. Keith is like Max Headroom from way back. That's a throwback to, to everybody. He said, Nico we, Estevez is a, <laughs> he's a dick. That's what he said. Um, we have yeah, that clip got, from that. Anyway, anyway, I don't want to, I don't, there's nothing to really unpack there, but I do think that it's, that's a positive, ultimately a net positive to be around a coach who is also part of Greg Berhalter's coaching staff and knowing how he works and what he says. And I just think that it, you have to go out there and produce to your point. If Brandon Vasquez isn't out there doing the things that are basic for number nines for us to, to transition as a team, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Whether your coach is the former assistant or national team coach or not. So, so you still have to go out there and perform and produce. And I think that Jesus Ferreira is out there doing that for sure. We're going to get so, back to a tweet that Heath put out recently. Once Heath uh, joins us with some proper internet, but let's move on to Ricardo Pepe because he it. came on at halftime for Gronigan and ends up having an assist. And when I saw the assist initially, I was like, he passes to the guy from like 40 yards away. And then the guy yeah, dribbles. I, but it doesn't feel like a proper assist until Chuck, you see that he's the one that actually anticipated the bad yes. back pass. And he's the one that set up the whole play. Which and that's is the whole thing. It's the whole thing. It doesn't happen without Ricardo Pepe's anticipation. And, and I like that, that he's sniffing things out instead of trying to react all the time. I like that with a lot of players that are anticipatory and not reactionary. So, so good play by Ricardo Pepe. And yes, he's using, he's using his brain to make that happen. I thought that was a tremendous first start for him to make that type of influence for Gronigan, mm -hmm. who had been struggling scoring goals and still are. They only won 1-0, but still an important win for that club, Charlie. As a striker, when things aren't going well for you, you have to figure out other ways to impact the game. And why Greg Berhalter has always been a big fan of, of Ricardo Pepe is because of his ability to press. And, and you saw defensive pressure is what, what allowed him to win the ball back and then play it to get that assist. It wasn't the the most beautiful assist, but it was winning the ball back for your team and directly going towards goal. Right. That's something that you don't get with all the other strikers in this pool. So in terms of getting himself going and earning respect within the group, it's by doing the dirty work. And so he came on as a, as a halftime substitute. I've been there before, literally my second game in France, I came on as a halftime substitute. And then I started from that point on. So I think this is that moment for, Ricardo Pepe, where he's going to start from here on out. He's proved he's proven himself that he's going to work for the team, and now he's just got to continue to run with it. No, I thought it was great, and he came on again at halftime. I'm trying to see when that goal happened because to have that type of impact for your squad just going to give you confidence. And it, it's 71st minute it happens, mm -hmm. so he's been on for about 25 minutes, and for him to have that type of impact, it just gets everybody else to buy in why they they went and got him. Right. And, and so that buy in from your teammates is really important, too, because if you go there right away and people are like that dude's shit, like you, it's hard to win that. That first impression is hard to, to win back mm -hmm. or it takes a lot longer to make that happen. But hey, he's Pierce hey, back with us. Yeah, he's back from his, his hey, Estevez wow. rant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're off yeah. on this Nico Estevez. We've, Honestly, we've moved on past that. We're talking about Ricardo Pepe. Yeah, now, good. Because wanna... whatever I was saying, probably I was probably deserving of being, being booted off for a minute and just sort of re <laughs> rethink about what I was saying. Come back when you're in a better spot. Uh, uh, but by the way, the, R Ricardo Pepe, they they uh, the competition that he has up top is that uh, they brought in a guy from I believe it was Bielefeld, maybe Erzberg Awa. I can't remember which club he was at, but they paid for him. I think they paid over a million for him uh, as a striker to bring him in just a month ago. I think they came in June or July. They brought in a striker and Holland. They play the four three three. You got one spot for an actual high striker, and so. That's why if you go back to those comments that were made that there's no reason they can't both play 45 minutes and things like that. It was based on the fact that they brought in a striker. And if you're that striker, you're going, hey, what's going on here, man? You guys just bought me. You told me you wanted me. Now you're bringing in this other guy that's a U.S. international. Uh, obviously, I think Ricardo Pepe is a better player and is going to win that out in the end. But there is going to be some cause for concern, but also an opportunity for Ricardo Pepe to go in there and win that spot. Um and, and be a starter for these games. And if you win that battle, and, and I think that's going to make him day-to-day -day a, better, a, better, a better player because that battle is between two uh, relatively young, young players um, vying for, for that top striker position. Maybe you could throw one on the wing, but they both want to be strikers. Now let's move to, and I appreciate your insight on that, Heath. I'm going to move it on to Jordan Pifak <laughs> abruptly to Union Berlin. And what I loved about this game, he played 75 minutes, they won 1-0. As I mentioned before, they're on top of the table now in the Bundesliga, which really speaks to Urs Fischer, their manager, and, and what he's put together with this team and the belief that he has so early on in this campaign. But 
he missed a penalty, Jordan Pifak. What was interesting was it wasn't a penalty that he himself earned. You know how sometimes you earn the penalty? I, I got this. I'm not giving up this ball. I'm going to put it down. Charlie did that all the time. This is mine. I'm going to do it. And, and it wasn't like that. It was it was a handball or something that was just kind of and, – and Pifak was the one that stepped up and took it. Now, he took a very terrible penalty, but I like the fact that his teammate – and it got saved, but his teammate, uh, teammates de de deferred to him. And, and that he had the confidence to step up and take it. And that the team still went on and, and made a difference. Jordan Pifak, for me, is definitely going to be in the team. I feel like he might be – I don't know if he starts. He's a situational guy. We don't need to get into that again. But I just wanted to, to mention that that he made the right move by leaving Switzerland where he was a golden boot winner and going and taking a risk. And Urs Fischer has gotten a lot out of him, and I hope that that plays well for the rest of us. Okay, now – there's a tweet that I wanted to go back to, Heath, before we move on from the number nines and get into other positions on the field. God, I hope it's not from me. It is from you. Okay. And and it's about Jesus Ferreira. There was a guy that said, the thing, this is at Soccer Alt, Kevin Morris, who says, the thing with Ferreira is that a, a group of moderately influential dorks on Twitter. That's Charlie. I think he's, talk, I think he's talking about Charlie, yeah. Decided uh. <laughs> that Ferreira wasn't good. And then their their entire brand of being moderately influential dorks was dependent on that being true. So now they'll devote limitless energy to prove that point. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think this is this isn't isolated to Jesus Ferreira. I think this yeah. happens in a that's lot. A of gen, that's a general theme, generally towards uh, any MLS players or any ideas. Like if you look at the way in which people are arguing for for Sargent right now, no one's watching Sargent play ninety minutes. Nobody is. They're just seeing his goals. They're not seeing whether he holds the ball up well, whether it's how he adds to the team. They're just watching goals. And I get that. That's a really good, that's a solid argument because he's scoring goals, which means it's undeniable that he's having an impact on games. But when you look at certain things, or you're talking about Jordan Pifak, or you're talking about Haji Wright, no one's watching Haji Wright play week in and week out. They're not watching the games that they person. want to play. Yeah, they're watching uh, what's readily available to them, right? And so when you think about Jesus Ferrer, you're going to think about big chances missed. We go back to, PFOC and his big chance missed or, uh, you know, against Mexico. We look at those types of things, but it's not over this large sample size of like, have they gotten better? Are they improving? You know, what is the impact that they have outside of their goals and assists, Jimmy? So with regard to Jesus Ferreira, yes, he has missed a lot of opportunities, but he's 21, 21 years old. And he's getting better week in and week out. It's not to say he can't become more clinical. Mm -hmm. He can't become whatever he can, but we are okay. going to always look for reasons or people are going to look for reasons to say he can't do it or he this will never translate to a higher level or it's against MLS. Look how crappy the defenders are. Mm, I, I think it's more of Ricardo Pepe was there at the same time and that Ricardo Pepe was a star and not Jesus Ferreira. So how can you, in, in a lot of people's minds, say all of a sudden Jesus Ferreira is leaps and bounds ahead of Ricardo Pepe? And it's simply down to confidence, right? And then opportunity. So Jesus Ferreira had to def de defer to Ricardo Pepe. Everyone was trying to play to the point man who uh, ultimately scored all the goals. Now that Ricardo Pepe's gone, you can move Jesus Ferreira to that position. And he's no longer the player who's creating all those goals. He's the one who has to finish. So there's a big difference. Right, right. It allows him to grow in different ways. Ultimately, though, both are, are very different players. And I think when Ricardo Pepe finds his confidence again, and if it gets going sooner than later, then Ricardo Pepe has a very good chance of, of leading the line in the first game of the World Cup. Yeah, that's right. it's, it's interesting conversation. I appreciate you bringing up that tweet and, and you tagged me on it as well. I do think that... And then you told me not to tag you on it, Jimmy. You're like, leave, leave, <laughs> me, leave, leave me. I was like, yeah, you know he what? He's like, dude, leave me, out of your, leave me out of your internet stuff, dude. He was like, dude, it's Sunday. I'm with my family. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, don't want to get, get, get in roped in into some, you know... Yeah, you're, you're throwing out bait, and so uh, and I know what kind of flies you're trying to attract or moths to the light. So. But it is true, Jimmy. Real quick on that. It, it is true in a, lot of, in a lot of ways, and look, I, I don't necessarily do that with regard to our U.S. men's national team, but I certainly do that on players on the fringe of who I watch when I think about players that are in a team, right? Say you're doing a Champions League game. You're focusing on three, four, five guys. It's easy to, to just take what you've read or what you've seen in a small sample size and throw a left back or a center back or somebody random. That's, that's just the way our brains work, trying to process information. So it's not a knock on, on, on anybody. And I agree with Charlie's sentiments about Ricardo Pepe and, and, and his dynamics. But Jesus Ferreira is continuing to, to put himself in, in a good spot or in, in a conversation to, to be respected. Charlie, and, and the reason I, I say that is Charlie – I always go back to when I, Charlie and all of us were in the national team together – Charlie was just potential then, and mm -hmm. people on the outside would just could easily just go. Ah, Charlie doesn't have it because he didn't right, score. Right, right. And then Charlie goes on and scores, and now you go. Ch 
Charlie's got crazy. It. He's good. He's, he's got it. Good. Play that Put guy. Him on he's number starting number nine. Oh, but what I'm seeing is to judge it based on a highlight that comes over or a missed chance from Charlie doesn't tell the whole story of Charlie's development, of where he's at, the potential that he has, and mm-hmm. and and what his upside is. They're just basing it on like, oh, Charlie didn't score. Charlie, no good. Charlie's scoring. Charlie's the best striker we've ever yeah. had uh, in national team history, right? And and there's a there's a big there's a big look delta. at the confidence of him yeah. doing the stanky legged yeah. Azteca. Look at that guy. That's who I want representing me in the number nine spot. I mean, that's. But, I mean, you can build all these narratives from these different moments and actions. And I agree with you, Heath, that what's interesting is if you get excited about somebody online, you immediately get shut down by a certain sect. It, it's not the same people every time. You could be excited about a European base player or whatever, MLS-based player. But there's always somebody like, ah, that guy sucks. And you're like, God, man, I just want to be excited about our player pool and, and, and some of the players that we have and, and their development, their continued development, the fact that they're continuing to produce. So that gets a little bit interesting. And then what I find, and we've learned this, all three of us at some point, that sometimes, and the algorithms prove it as well, that negativity sells. So, so when we go out there and slam somebody, that's probably going to hit the algorithm. More people are going to engage with it. And then you start to kind of buy, ah, this is where I need this is what I need to say to, to get the engagement that I'm looking for to make oh, yeah. sure that I'm getting that 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 dopamine hit that, I, I'm, I, that I'm relevant. I mean, this I, isn't. I'm not no, telling. No, it's it's human nature. I, I Jimmy, I posted a uh, I posted a video saying Chicharito would never on a guy doing a dancing up to a penalty <laughs> kick right now. People are loving it because misery loves company. It's contextual. It's relevant. It's the guy dancing up to kick a penalty. People are like, yeah, oh, I can. Don't, don't act like that's a normal <laughs> dance. <laughs> oh, really? This one. This one. Up to oh, the ball. Yeah, yeah. It's all up to him. It's yeah, all but, uh, you know. Anyway. I knew what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. Yeah, of course you did. And <laughs> and uh, it's getting traction because it's funny, right? But, but uh, yeah. So, anyway, there, that, we can unpack that at another time. Moving on to our last real number nine in the thing Josh Chargers didn't play this weekend due to the postponement of games in the U.K., there was a player named Haji Wright who plays in Turkey. His team lost 1-0. He played the full 90 minutes. Uh, he got three shots, but none on goal. And obviously, uh, that's what people care about, man. You got to hit the back of the net. Otherwise, you suck. All right, Haji Wright? Just throwing that out there. And Brandon Vasquez, because Charlie's already mentioned you like 18 times about <laughs> how bad you are holding the ball up. But uh, <laughs> I just love seeing Charlie's reactions when I when I throw Charlie under the bus. All right, there's other guys that played, of course, outside of uh, the number nines. But obviously, that's a position we're, we're very concerned about and, and who's going to start and be the guy for us. We had uh, Eunice Musa. Playing for Valencia, they lost 2-1 away to Rayo Vallecano. Both of the goals by Rayo were on set pieces. Uh, Eunice actually had a great chance, uh, did a nice run in from midfield, out wide, slotted one back. The guy should have scored and he missed it. So he would have and should have maybe, in terms of the goal contributions for Eunice Musa, Charlie, I think that, and I th- we've already talked about this before in singing the praises of his manager, Gennaro Gattuso, but I think there's an mm-hmm. emphasis of we need you to break the lines, either running with yeah. or without the ball and getting forward. And honestly, at that point, if if that guy would have slotted it, he basically went, just for everybody that didn't see it, he makes a run from midfield, picks up the ball towards the outside of the box, and pushes it back towards the penalty spot. Great decision, great play. Guy's there, side foots it over the bar. If he just picks a corner, it's 1-1 at that point. But I think it really just continues to speak about his re- uh, evolution as a player and, and how much – I, I want to say his decision-making, Charlie, in terms of – yes. Like when to go and when to stay. I think that's the hardest thing that, at times to teach the, 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 the young players is the timing because you can't go 100 miles an hour the whole time. And that's what you learn as no. you get older. You got to pick your spots. How efficient can you be with your movements? And when I had the chance, it's my flex of the day to play against Real Madrid. And there was Zidane and Beckham and Roberto Carlos and Ronaldo and Raul and all those guys. That was the thing I took away the most was how efficient they were and how they moved. They didn't waste any energy. They weren't chasing dumb balls up over the top. They just picked their spots and they were so good at it. And then they... I won't tell you the final score, but man, what a hell of a lesson I learned over 90 minutes. No, I, I would say it is set and secure for Eunice Musa. The kid is an ba- absolute baller. What what separates him, and it, there's a lot of Darlington Nagby in him. I keep bringing it up because mm-hmm. of the change mm-hmm. of pace. He's good on the ball. He knows when to accelerate. And when he accelerates, you can't, you can't catch him. Um, I think playing at Valencia, he's able to now really harness that, that final third, that last that final ball making sure that he gets his shots on target you know he's really i think our player with the biggest potential you know Dude, uh, let me say this hold on hold on i gotta get everybody's thoughts on this hold on because this is a great jumping off point and anybody that's yeah. listening hit us up on twitter at iswt pod drop us a follow there too if you're watching live on youtube uh hit subscribe of course hit like we'd, we'd appreciate that and then also tell us right now when we look back in five years charlie 
when we think that Yunus Musa, maybe 10 years, that Yunus Musa was the best player we actually produced out of this crop of players. Because I, I said a couple of years ago that when we look back, Christian Pulisic won't be the one. That will, I, I didn't say in terms of talent. I said most impactful. I actually had Tyler Adams as the most impactful out of our group. But, yeah. but now I think Yunus Musa might be eclipsing him. And when we look back at this particular group, Yunus Musa is going to be the one going, God damn, we had a superstar in our hands. He's just not there yet. And now, you know, after 10 years, we've, it's clear that he's proved that. Yeah, I mean, are you are you he, is he your guy? I mean, who who's your guy? Everybody, let us know. Musa and Adams, right? They're, they're fantastic. They're very different in in of terms course, of, of what you want, right? So Tyler Adams, I think he's our captain for the next eight years. He, he breaks opinion. up all the plays. He makes the right challenges. He covers so much ground. I think where he needs to improve is as on the ball is distribution, mm-hmm. and he's doing that right now. And Yunus Musa, I think there's so much more room to grow in terms of, of the final product, goals and assists. His dribbling is, is just probably the best that we've ever had in midfield. Absolutely the best we've ever had in the midfield for the U.S. Men's National Team. You're right. So I would go with Yunus Musa as ultimately the player with I mean, the, the, uh, the most to go. Right I mean, now. we can look at yes. Brendan Aronson, Gio Reyna. I mean, Gio Reyna, for mm-hmm. me, it's all about health. It's not... Nobody right. questions whether that guy's talented or not. He's got more talent in his pinky than I have in my whole body. And and, and it's just a matter of whether he can stay healthy because he's got a little bit of a glass house feel. Uh, mm-hmm. Brendan obviously has got a shout there, but he's more energizer bunny, even though he can dribble really well and he he does a lot of work. I, I think what we appreciate him most for is just like his his drive and his desire to make plays every single time the ball, you know, any any play, every single play, he's he's up for it. So not to say the other guys don't have that, but I feel like that's kind of his hallmark. And, and uh, thankfully, he's got the talent to back up that that drive. But in terms of pound for pound talent and the fact that he's still 19 years old, it's got to be Yunus Musa, right? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's younger kids that are coming up. But but I'm just talking about this current player pool. When we Jim, look back some, on this, heart, this generation. Do you have some heartburn? I feel like you're like keeping in these burps. <laughs> I can't confirm or deny uh, what I had for breakfast. <laughs> Charlie like Davies. you had some spicy burritos or something. I might have, I might have, I might have gone I you, and elected to eat something that I don't normally eat that this chest. morning. <laughs> um, I'm also, old, you know, when you're 75 years old, you know what I'm talking about, Chuck? You gotta, true. you gotta make sure that the diet see, is holding uh, it down. But yeah. <laughs> drink some water, yo. He's, oh wow, he pierces back. Jim, so he, Jim's got some heartburn because I got some heart. You know every what? Every other, he's like. Every other, every <laughs> I'm just so excited to talk about Yunus Musa. Okay, Heath, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> oh man, was it what I said again? I was on another. I don't rant, know why you disappeared this thank, time. Thank but, God. Uh, I will say that this time I had like 40 things pop up on my screen needing like passwords and stuff. So one of you guys hit me with that uh, <laughs> with that with that virus. Um, uh, maybe someone in the comments did. Hit somebody the virus. People, you're he's trolling, he's dude. You're trolling. Now. You're trolling the trolls. So, so so here's the question, Heath, that we posed to everybody, and and Charlie and I are on the same page with this. When we look back in 10 years, who do you think will end up of this current player pool will be the player that has really become the superstar? We, we both elected uh, Yunus Musa. Giorena's in there, of course, if he can stay healthy. Tyler Adams, for different reasons, I think he's more of our captain for the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. But but do you think Yunus Musa is like the guy we're going to look back upon? Yeah, weirdly, or, or I, I, I mean, honestly, or... I would add, Brent, I would say, if if not Yunus Musa, I would say the order is correct. I would be the same. I would say uh, Gio Reyna. Obviously, right now, I'm kind of stuck in the clouds of, like, his injuries and what that could be long-term. Uh, it's just, it's him, just injuries like, with him. Yeah. It's, it's just injuries um, with him. But, uh, but I, I would even c- contest that Gio Reyna could be number one just in terms of, like, his ability to do what we see him do great, but at the next level and the next level at the Champions League and big games like that, I could see that happening. And then for me... When I, when I, you know, depends on how we divide these parameters up, but like I could also see Brendan Aronson playing at a big club in Champions League consistently and being impactful. Now, not the star that I think uh, a Gio Reyna could be or a Yunus Musa could be, but I could see, I could see Brendan Aronson having probably, you know, one of the best club careers uh, in terms of the size of the club and being a consistent starter um, of, of anybody in our history for sure in 10 years. Yeah. Weston McKinney, somebody gave a shout out to Weston McKinney. And I think he still has, until proven otherwise, he's our most clutch player. Uh, we have a here from um, wasn't clutch. Says, Do you think Paxton or Brendan will be the better Aronson? Hard, hard to say at the moment without seeing. I Paxton. would say it was going to be. Pa- it was going to be like everybody thought Paxton when Brendan Aronson even made the move to, to Salzburg of like what Paxton's upside could be. He's a little bit more, um, I think, a vertical attacking threat. But 
it's hard to argue that against Brendan Aronson now and the progress he's made during the last 18 months. You know, it's yeah, it's wild. incredible. It's he's taken some really, really, really big steps. Well, speaking of Weston McKinney, he started for Juventus against Sauer Natana this past weekend. Uh, Juan Cuadrado ends up making a, a bad read on a play, goes up over the top. Weston McKinney leaves his central midfield role to go defend this guy one v one. The guy does enough to get past him to get a cross off, and Sauer Natana goes up one zero. They end up going up two zero, and at two one, Mister Clutch gets subbed out. Weston McKinney, unfortunately. And then Juve find a way back into it and make it 2-2. They probably should have won. VAR is a bit uh, sketchy over in Italy at the moment, uh, given that. Should have been 3-2. Milik had scored, and, and then he took off his shirt. And then they got a yellow, which was the second yellow, so he got the red card. You know what's interesting? Can we just sidebar here really quick? Like, if you take off your shirt to no, we celebrate a goal... Why? that Every action... If the VAR changes the call, then any action that you reacted to when the previous action I think should be nullified. Like I mean, if I'm what if you punch, my... can you punch someone in the face then Jimmy? <laughs> well, yes, I'd be totally up for that rule. I would totally I, like you could go. I'd be like, I'm offside. I'm going to get a clean hit on someone right now. Cause there's Who's nothing they can I do did... about it. Call I'm it back, just, baby. I'm just throwing that out there that, that, that one is in direct relationship to him scoring a goal and being ex- super excited. Why he did that when he was on a yellow is absolutely batshit crazy for me anyway. I don't know what he was thinking, but, but, it just feels a little unfair that, okay, if you're taking my goal away, then so you, you should also take away my celebration. That, that's my sidebar on that. Any, any comments on Weston McKinney? Charlie, any, any, anything on his performance? I don't think we need to get him isolated in 1v1 situations defensively because it didn't look great for him in that particular play. But again, that's Juan Cuadrado, Juan Cuadrado, yeah, it's not his strength, but Juan Cuadrado made the, made the, the decision that was the first domino ultimately to, to lead to that whole play. No, Weston's extremely important for this team. I mean, talk about the U.S. Men's National Team and, and off of set pieces. Just 50-50 balls. He, he, he partners well alongside the midfield with Tyler Adams and Yunus Musa. I think the, the trio are, are gaining more experience playing with each other, understanding each other's tendencies and, and how to move forward. You know, Weston's fantastic with his late runs out of midfield. And I think Eunice is continuing to developing uh, develop the skills he needs to at Valencia to help the U.S. Men's National Team. So it's a it's a perfect situation for us right now. And Tyler Adams is Tyler Adams. He's bossing the English Premier League, so he's playing against a lot of the players he's going to be seeing in the World Cup. What what more would you want from Tyler Adams? So uh, I'm excited about our midfield. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can throw in players who can come into it. Brandon Aronson can play in the midfield. Gio Reyna, if healthy. So. I'm not worried at all about our midfield. No, I'm not either. I'm not either. We're going to get into uh, our center backs here uh, after the break. I do want to say that Joe Scali got a full 90 minutes for Bruce Munch and Gladbach against Freiburg. Freiburg's been playing very, very well. Didn't take their chances, but nothing that Joe Scali was involved with. Eric Palmer Brown played 66 minutes in Toise. 1-0 loss at Lantz. They uh, ended up playing. He played on the left side of a back three. The goal that they scored, it was a guy he was marking on a set piece. So that's never uh, a good look. So that's unfortunate for him because he's still, I feel like, on the precipice of maybe getting just getting called into this camp, not necessarily making the World Cup roster. Uh, we had Mark McKenzie go 90 minutes and a big win for Genk over Union Saints. I can't even say it, but they just beat Union Berlin in, in Europe mid, midweek. So that was a big win for them. Sammy Vines with the 90 minutes for Royal Antwerp over... Bruges, Circle Bruges in that one. So that was a big one for that. He didn't have any involvement in any of the goals, but something worth noting. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Zimmerman, Yedlin, and Aaron Long after the break. So I want to get your guys' thoughts. You said Mark about, McKenzie? I wasn't sure. If you're... Yeah, Mark McKenzie. He went 90 minutes, a uh, big 90 minutes for him uh, against Gank. So, all right, we're going to take our winning. first and only break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, I'm going to not interrupt Heath so he can give us his thoughts. And then we'll obviously preview the Campione's Cup that's coming up between NYCFC and Atlas and the stretch run of MLS before the playoffs begin. Don't go. And get some Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> it's the NFL offseason, but on pick six, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. 
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to It's Soccer We Trust. I just threw down a whole bottle of Pepto-Bismol to make sure my heartburn is, is all good for us in the second half. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Keith Pierce, and we are excited that you're joining us today on this Monday. Hope everybody is doing well as we continue our recap. Now, one of the big themes I wanted to talk about in the second half of the show, boys, is moments. Because there are certain moments that I'm seeing from certain players where we have to have them locked in. It can be on either side of the ball. And I saw some things from, the, from some center backs, the MLS guys, and DeAndre Yedlin, where there's these little plays. And I know the New York Red Bulls won. Aaron Long's the captain of the New York Red Bulls. They won 2-1. to one. But on the first goal that Tommy McNamara scores for the New England Revolution, Aaron Long is so disconnected from the rest of his other center back, his spacing's way off. He doesn't read the play. And that is what's going to cost us in a World Cup, man. It's, it's moments. Are you, are you going to step up and concentrate in these moments, in these little things, these little spaces matter? And, and that kind of bummed me out about that because as we get closer, we have to start nitpicking everybody, no matter where they play, to make sure they're as sharp as possible going into this because that one mistake could cost us. If we're not covering, we're not locked in, we're not focused – and, and and now I'm getting a little bit more. I'm just saying that I'm getting a little bit more serious. And Heath, I interrupted you before the break. What do you have to say? Can I talk? Yeah, cool. Yep. Do I have, okay. <laughs> you uh, have the floor. So, is, this, is this mic on? Did Jimmy mute me? Yeah, yeah, dude, I, I'm I, something, something's going on over here for sure. Um, but look, I, I think. This is a true and bona fide criticism of Major League Soccer is that there is not the pressure of other places. And I've lived both. I know that there were times at points in my career where I was competing for a starting spot in Major League Soccer, and I could feel that. But the pressure to compete in training day in and day out in, in Europe, even outside of the top five leagues, culturally and mm -hmm. depth-wise, and again, the fact that academies have been long attached to that, that you're always competing with somebody for your spot week in, week out. You've got somebody come up, coming up underneath you. You've got the transfer windows, which is true in some level with MLS. You just don't have that pressure to never make mistakes, right? And to learn from those or the pressure that the mistakes have consequences for you, not just for whether your team wins today or tomorrow, but actually, am I going to get on the field again, right? That pressure to compete and to prove yourself day in and day out over and over and over again, um, I think doesn't exist in, in MLS. Yes, rosters are deeper. Yes, the league is far better than it was even when, when, when I was playing in it. But there's still that issue for our stars, for our players that are playing in the national team. They're not competing for starting spots. Whereas Chris Richards has got to compete for a starting spot week in and week out. Now, whether he wins or loses that battle, who knows? It's going to make him a better player. It might not be the right club for him to get his minutes long term. But that those consequences force you to be on at all times. And we're seeing at times the result of that across the board, not just our center backs and, and moments, Jimmy, but moments for all of our players. You could say Jesus Ferreira, same thing. That pressure that Ricardo Pepe has when he gets a half chance versus the pressure of Jesus Ferreira that knows he's going to get another chance later on is very different in how you shape a player. And I think that is a true criticism of where the league is at. And it's continuing to get better and better. And the rosters and budgets and everything are going to get to a point where we have that depth or that pressure. But right now it's still not there for at least our big stars. For a young kid, yeah. That pressure is there uh, to compete for a spot. But for our guys that are established, no one's taking their spots from them in their teams. Okay, so Charlie, I want to throw this to you because I think this is an interesting conversation. There is some value, though, to, to knowing you're going to be the guy that plays week in and week out. There's a comfort level. There's a trust, right? We, we, we all think that Christian Pulisic needs that. He needs a run of games where he can make mistakes and still feel like he can get up and, and get after it again because – that's an important part of your coach and team and, and player relationship. Now, if that, that's an attacking player. On, on, from a center back perspective, there's a lot of value to if you're playing regularly that you learn how to do, do the intangibles. How do you organize a team? How do, how do you get more out of the guys around you? These are all really important things. And, and what I was pissed about with regard to Walker Zimmerman 
I'm going off. You guys can Jimmy, laugh. Jimmy, don't let him twirl his pin in I, your he's, face. He's, dude. he's twirling yeah, on you right now. Dude. He's just fine. He's on his yacht right now. Just tell me what the ocean looks like over your right shoulder, Charlie, right now. But, but twirling on him. I didn't say Charlie for a cruise guy, but I get it. You know? <laughs> he's like, yeah, how's your Disney cruise treatment? But, but, uh, one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but my criticism of Walker Zimmerman when I watched the Nashville game when they played against the Galaxy this weekend was that they're sat way too deep. They sat way too deep and absorbed the whole That's time. Nashville. I, I get that, but there's some point you, you, you can still drop somewhat deep and give your goalkeeper, in this particular instance, Joe Willis, the opportunity to get off his line and make plays. They just sat and sat. And that's not defending. That's just like 10 guys behind the ball and you hope for the best. And, and, and thankfully, they got punished for it because they ended up giving a goal late. Anyway, I just think there's some intangibles, Charlie, that, that do come into play if you, if you know you're going to play regularly that are harder to grasp if you're just trying to survive training after training, game after game, and yet you have to feel like you have to be perfect every time you step on the field. That was the longest center back. Right okay. You know what? It's like your final thoughts. No, Charlie. I, I okay, love you keep it. Going I love it. it. Hey, Jim, I actually love it. Um, <laughs> you're so passionate about the, the center backs. Jimmy, you love soccer, dude. I yeah, can tell. It, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, I think the key word that you said in, in the very beginning, eight minutes ago, was, was um, comfort, right? And so... The, the whole idea for, for, for our players um, to, to be comfortable is not, I think, what you, you actually want because you want them to be tested every day and not to feel comfortable. That's how they're able to grow and, and realize that, man, there's consequences with my mistakes because most of the players in MLS, no disrespect to any of the players who are in the U.S. Men's National Team pool playing in MLS, there, there are no consequences. If, if you don't do well, if you don't deliver, you're still playing every week. Regardless, mm-hmm. in Europe, that's not the case. And you can see some of the young players. Mark McKenzie is, is a great example. He's had to go up and down and realize you could start one match and not play for two months, six months. And now he's mm-hmm. finally found his groove and he's playing every week. And that that's because they sold the player who's playing over him. Right. And then that opportunity comes and you have to grab it and play. And you realize that the way you train is how you play every week, every day. Um, so. Chris Richards in that environment, which you talked about, Heath, is perfect. I want him to have to earn his minutes. I want him to, to learn from um, Patrick Vieira to actually be pushed by two center backs who are quality. Those are two highly valued center backs. You're not walking into any team. And he, yeah. he, took, that, he took that opportunity because he said, you know what? I'd rather be in this environment, be pushed, learn from Patrick Vieira, than be at Byron and be on the reserves, yeah. right? So I, I mean, I, I do. I do. Is, is Charlie still talking? Or Hold on. I, 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 you went, let me know when you're done, Charlie. I'll hit, I'll hit, I'll hit stop, done. Charlie, as soon as you're done. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, you got to uh, find the balance of playing and, and being pushed. Yeah, yeah I, I fully agree. I agree. And, and the hard part, Jimmy, with that is is it's not perfect, right? Because we could look back in 12 months and say, what was Chris Richards doing at Crystal Palace, right? Or Chris Richards could go in three months ago, hey, honestly, you guys – I thought you guys were going to give me a legitimate chance and I'm not getting a chance. I'm playing scrap minutes. When I come in, I'm playing well. You're not giving me more. There is a risk to that, right? It's not just this whole like, you know, like whatever, creating diamonds uh, type of thing that that's always going to be the case. There's going to be the downside situations also of playing week in and week out. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Christopher Walken, that's so good. Oh, that's uh, a good one. That's 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 uh, legendary. Christopher Walken here. said, uh, "Getting more heated than Jimmy's esophagus uh, on the on the screen in the comments." Which is just so well. As he just written. burps again. Uh, yeah. um, uh, but but it, you want pressure and you want to be in those environments. You want to be uncomfortable, but you also want to be realistic in the fact that. There's a, there's a chance you don't play. And there is bigger factors than that, that a coach might just look at you and go, I don't think you're as good as them, even if you're training better, even if you're playing better with your chances. This is the uh, Pulisic argument where you just look at him and go, no, you're not that good to me. It uh, doesn't matter what you do. Um, and and that's, the, that's the reality of a tough situation where then you default back to, well, I need to go somewhere that I know I can play. And that's what ends up happening. And if you fall into Major League Soccer, great that Walker Zimmerman's found his place in the national team because he's played consistently for a few years as one of the best defenders in the league. But now what's the thing that's going to take him to the next level? That's pressure. I don't think he has that. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's a good conversation to have. If you guys want to chime in, hit us up in the comments. That doesn't involve my esophagus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got to burp really quick. Uh, or, or hit us up on Twitter, ISWT Pod. So let's talk about Christian Pulisic. We, te- we teased it a little bit at the beginning of the show. Charlie, I'll come to you as our resident attacker. Mm-hmm. What are your hopes 
I guess I already know what your hopes are for Christian Pulisic. Play as much as he possibly can. But but what do you think are the realistic expectations we should have as fans under Graham Potter? Knowing that he plays a similar system, that he does an excellent job, Graham Potter, of getting the most out of his players, uh, Trossard in particular, who he unearthed uh, in, in some capacity from Belgium and has really made him into a very productive player. And there's there's a comparison from a Jeff Reuter article on The Athletic that Christian Pulisic could be kind of his Leandro Trossard where he's playing multiple positions but still getting the most out of what Christian is capable of, including playing wingback, which is an interesting thing, which would be, I think, much to the chagrin of, of fans. But if that's a better position for a Christian to go and attack and, and be on the ball, then maybe that's the best fit. What are your thoughts on Christian Pulisic under Graham Potter? Well, I think the first thing that happens in this situation is that you have a meeting with Graham Potter. And and the interview that Graham Potter gave uh, while, while being uh, announced as the Chelsea manager was saying he likes to know what, what these players are about, their personal lives, what gets them, what are they motivated about, trying to figure out what, what's the best way to get Christian Pulisic going at Chelsea under, under my uh, management. So you're going to get opportunities. You have to impress in training. You have to know exactly what he wants from his players and, and what he expects from Christian Pulisic. So there's going to be probably a, a two to three week period of him trying to figure out how does he, how does he work in, in, in this in system? What, what does he, what does he want from Christian? Does he want him to play out wide? Does he want to play on the right? You know, you have Raheem Sterling who is a hundred percent starting regardless, right? With that investment, he's on the English starter on the English national team. He's playing. Obama Young is the only natural striker they have. So he's going to be playing. And and rightfully so, because when he is fit, he, he's going to be scoring loads of goals in, in the Prem. So there's that one position that you're you, you have Kai Havertz, maybe maybe Mason Mount will play there. But if Mason Mount plays in the midfield, then it's Havertz and Pulisic. I'll take Pulisic again all day in those wide areas over Kai Havertz, because Kai Havertz is in those weird spots. What what's his natural position? He's not a nine. He's not really a 10. He's not an eight. He's not a winger. He's like a nine and a half, right? <laughs> so um, it's about getting that opportunity, staying fit, and then and then hopefully carrying that into each performance. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and one of the things that was noted in this article from the players from Brighton is how good of a communicator Grand Potter is. And it's already been reported that he's had individual meetings with every single player. And hopefully that'll clear up. What needs to be done, both individually and collectively? How are you feeling about this move for Christian Pulisic, Keith? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm hopeful that that uh, he just gets a legitimate shot and opportunity. I think it's hard to argue that he didn't get shots under Tuchel. Now, whether Tuchel respected him enough to to reward him for those, he definitely got time, uh, and I think did well at at times. But also, just like a number of them, had his dips as well, mostly you know, injuries and things like that. So I'm hoping that this player's manager builds a relationship with Christian Pulisic that he can at least feel like he knows his role and until the next transfer window, be able to just play freely or open openly or where he, you know, opportunity to leave where he says, you know, your surplus requirements, but we're not going to keep you here if you don't want to be here for obvious reasons. Um, and then from there, get get the chances to convert, hopefully, um, on the field and position. Yeah, he could be used in four or five positions. I don't know if he would like that or be happy about that. Uh, I don't know if wingback is something that he could dedicate himself to because you do have to defend quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I share the sentiments of, of of you guys as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And their first game is under Grand Potter because of the postponement is in the Champions League this weekend. So or this week, excuse me. So we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. They're playing against RB Salzburg at Stanford Bridge. And that should be uh, an interesting first game for, for Graham Potter and for the team. I expect with the new manager bounce because they're getting somebody in who, I don't know, seems to give off more warmth than Thomas Tuchel, or at least this, this current version of Thomas Tuchel, uh, I think will be ready for a, a change of ideas, change of voice, whatever it may be. So I think that uh, Chelsea will show up and play well, if you wanted my prediction on that. All right, let's talk about the Campioni's Cup because... This is a, a bit fourth iteration of this between the champion of MLS taking on the champion of champions in Liga MX in Mexico. This iteration is between NYCFC and Atlas. The funny part about this, and Charlie, I'm going to come to you on this, is that NYCFC have lost four out of their last five games. The other fifth game was a draw, so they don't have any wins in their last five. Atlas haven't won in eight games since August 5th was the last time that Atlas has won. They're currently second from bottom in Mexico. So this doesn't really live up to the billing of champions per se, but they're playing the Yankee Stadium. You'd like to hope that they would play 
I don't, I don't know. Why not open up MetLife? Get MetLife out there and see how many people you can draw to, to a bigger stadium than maybe Red Bull Arena. But Yankee Stadium it is, where NYCFC currently plays their home games at times, majority of them. What are you thinking about this, and, and who do you think is going to win? I mean, I love the competition. I love that you have – anytime we can, you can set up a real good game between a Mexican club and an MLS club, I think it's I'm, – I'm all for it. I'm a big fan of that. But these two clubs in particular are not necessarily playing very well at the moment. No, I, New York City FC have been shocking. Um, <laughs> Wait a second. That's how you feel. That's how you feel, Charlie. Because they're so talented. But it, it comes down to the coaching at this point. It, it's it's not Tati Castellanos. Even though Tati Castellanos was amazing in, 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 in Major League Soccer and creating for that team, scoring goals, it, it's it's more than that. It's setting the team up to, to have success. They have, they've had some injuries. But at the end of the day, the manager, Nick Cushing, has not gotten things right for this group at, at all. So in, in terms of setting this team up to, to win, I mean, they lose to Charlotte, and Charlotte is, is hopeless. I mean, so they moved Tyus Magno to, to, to be that center striker. They haven't gotten the most out of him. You know, they're playing guys out of position. So I, I don't know. This could be, you know, even though Atlas isn't in form either, it's a, it's going to be a small pitch. It's uh you you could expect a lot of of um, shots on and and opportunities because the transition game it, it that is what you play in New York City FC because it's so tight. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, okay, I, predictions. What's your prediction that. then? Do you think Atlas has a chance? I mean, they're they're yeah, they absolutely are, they have a, they're, they they're just as shocking, if not more shocking than. In I don't know if more. But also, by the way, I, and Charlie, I don't, I don't mean to jump in before your prediction, but I'm trying to save you on this one uh, because, <laughs> because who knows, Jimmy? Uh, but, but also, th- th- this is falling right before the, the uh, Red Bull NYCFC game that's basically going to decide NYCFC season of their ability to make the playoffs, the importance of this, falling right into this. I don't know if this salvages a season because it is a bit of a bizarre one, but it could be a, a turnaround moment. We saw with Orlando go and win the Open Cup and then get absolutely dismantled um by 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 philadelphia union uh and so i don't know it could be it could be a turnaround moment for a team that's sort of in need of that but uh we all know that it's really hard you you go into these things and you go oh yes could be a a changing a turning point for them but it's really hard to just flip a switch on uh in in a team sport like like soccer if you're not getting it done uh it's really hard to see it playing out otherwise no, I agree with you 100%. I think that NYCFC need need something. They need that boost. And I think having a good performance against Outlaws could get them there. But because they have some big games coming up, you wonder if they're going to roll out their best team. And, and with, with Outlaws, who knows? I mean, they clearly have the core, very similar to NYCFC, that have had success. They know how to have success. But it's not that easy to hit that switch, no matter uh, how good you've been in the past. So we'll be interested to see that. Let's talk very quickly then before we get to the end of the show and final thoughts. And obviously, we have a big guest coming on later in the week. So just be prepared for that, as we always do for you. So that should be a lot of fun. But let's talk about MLS. We're down to the stretch run. Some teams have three games left. Some have four. Some have five. It's getting pretty tight. And Charlie, your New England Revolution, the best team, I think, in MLS in dropping leads this season. Oh, they're yeah. currently three points away from the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. They're they're uh, three points behind the crew, four points behind Cincinnati and Orlando. Do you think they can get there? What's going on with the Revs, man? They were the best team by far last season. They don't have a clear number nine. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, I just think that the, the team isn't balanced right. It's unfortunate because this is a team that was record-setting in the league last year. And you, you make some 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 sales, you know, I think Georgia Petrovich has been an incredible um, signing for for replacing Matt Turner. So the goalkeeping position is, is not the issue. It's it's the scoring and and generating chances out of midfield because all they have is Carlos Hill. And you can't just have one player who's responsible for everything. And, and that's kind of what it, it's been. You've had some games where all of a sudden you have some magic moments like against the New York Red Bulls. They come, they come out with this magical play, combine, switch the point of attack, and then Tommy McNamara scores because of Aaron Long not being connected to these to the center back. And then they, they give up two goals. So I just think that they put themselves in a, in a really difficult uh, position. They probably have to win four game, the last four games and starting tonight uh, tomorrow against Houston. So three wins and a draw will, will maybe do it. You probably need some help. Four wins, that's really difficult. Um so 
Yeah, it's not looking good for the Revs. Yeah, they've got a lot of work to do. The crew, though, have five draws in their last six games. They're not necessarily running away with it. Uh, Cincinnati has four draws and two wins in their last six, so they're kind of inching along as well. And then you have Orlando City, who coming off the Open Cup win, congratulations to them, uh, threw up a dud this past week to lose, but uh, ultimately still in a decent spot. And uh, NYCFC is dropping off. I don't think... You're eight points behind NYCFC for fourth. I don't think the Revs are catching them, but I think there's no. some there's room to have a conversation at the top just to finish off the Eastern Conference, and I'll throw it to the West for Heath. Philly Union, the class of the league. We're going to try to get somebody from the Philadelphia Union on very soon because whatever they're doing, they're doing it exactly right and absolutely dominating the league this season, especially on the Eastern side. Montreal, surprise team in second. The Red Bulls in third, but they're a little hot and cold at times. Then NYCFC, Orlando, Cincinnati, and Columbus in the top seven. New England on the outside looking in. On the West, we'll just go right into keep to the standings. LAFC, who were the team, and obviously when they made the signings of Chiellini and Bale and all the other players that they're getting, thought, ah, oh, slam dunk, they're going to win the whole league. Since then, been a little shaky, Heath, and I know you go and, and do a lot of coverage of the team. Lost four of their last five, and uh, we'll see what happens. Austin FC in second, also lost four out of their last five. FC Dallas on the on the up and up, only two points behind Austin for second. Nashville's there, four out of four wins out of the last five in fourth. And the Timbers in 45 points, Minnesota 44, Salt Lake on 43. The Galaxy are kind of right there in the Sounders, both in eighth and ninth at 40 and 39, respectfully, respectively. What uh what do you say about the Western Conference, Heath? And do you think LAFC are still the favorites, or do you think this has got to be Philadelphia Union at this no, point? I mean, for Supporter Shield, it's got to be Philadelphia Union, um, just the way that they're scoring goals right now. There's a game in hand for LAFC in, in terms of, I think one has three and one has four games left, but uh, LAFC have just found, and we all know what, what MLS playoffs are like, right? It's about rounding into form at the right time of the year. Now, when they went back and had this poor road stretch and lost three in a row, uh, LAFC, you, you go, okay, if you can bounce back from that, you can find that form into the postseason. You learn from those things. You take your punches because I think every team needs to. And Steve Chirondolo was very much about like, sometimes I wished we lost other games earlier in the year that we'd learn from some of the things that we're doing now. Mm -hmm. uh, but instead, you you get away with a win or you get away with a point and, and you're not forced to learn those things. So they're going through that right now. And then and then Austin, obviously, with Drusia, this was the big uh, talk of like MVP. There might actually be another MVP um, worth worthwhile and, and, and Hani Mukhtar being maybe worth that shout or or whoever that might be. So yeah, would Gazdog have a shot? I mean, Gazdog is uh, another yeah, one that, be in there. you know, if you've judged it based on on current form and his name popping up every single weekend, uh, absolutely. And so I think I think LFC only need to get a, a win, Andre one Blake. win of their last ones to, to wrap up the Western Conference. Uh, but a lot of that's going to come down to kind of what the playoffs roll out as is who has the best chance. Because very rarely do you see a one and a one play each other in the final. Uh, it's going to be about that scheduling. Yeah, it is. And who but you, you get play. the home games. You get the home games. Yeah, you get uh, the home games. Sure. Yeah, the New England Revolution couldn't take advantage of that last year, unfortunately. So we'll see if a number one, see the Supporter Shield winner going to get cursed again or if they can make it to the final and, and uh, make sure they're holding that trophy over their head at the very end. All right. We are to our final thoughts. We appreciate your support of In Soccer We Trust. If you're listening to it on a podcast platform, make sure you hit subscribe. We'd appreciate that. If you want to leave a five-star rating, we wouldn't say no to that. We'd really appreciate that as well. If you're watching on YouTube, hit like and subscribe and tell all your friends about your new favorite podcast. It's on the YouTubes, In Soccer We Trust. We also have some merch. If you want to get some of that, go make it happen. I have my mug right here. Yeah, it, it looks like uh, Conrad Davies and Pierce. We're like a, a law firm, everybody. Yeah. So <laughs> if you guys have any legal trouble, we're also here for yeah. you in that end. <laughs> as well all right final thoughts heath i'm gonna come to you first any final thoughts about uh, what we saw this past weekend any mls action anything to look forward to obviously you got some big champions league and europa league games coming up this week no uh but shout out uh christopher walken los pollos leads yank no name alex soccer steven moore rashid f uh p morton fashion icon and everybody else that jumps into the comments and uh and gets this thing going i mean the comments were popping off today and we've got some really good tension in there uh but it's really fun and we appreciate all of you taking the time out of your day and those of you listening to it in audio as well obviously not part of the live conversation but man this community is growing and uh want everybody to feel like they have a voice here to to to, to be part of this conversation so i just wanted to give that shout out with some uh with some names uh there's a lot more names in there um i was just reading off the top so we'll get to them <laughs> Heath, Heath, if you didn't read your name, everybody, Heath doesn't like you. That's pretty yeah. much what I'm picking up. Well, you know, I, I sometimes I have a bad day and I just need to throw it back to everybody else to support me. You know, this is just an attempt to win a few fans back, you know. I uh, love that. I love that. All right. How about you, Charlie? Final thoughts? Yeah, Champions League. Uh, you, you have City Dortmund. Uh, 
Juve, Benfica, maybe John Brooks make his debut because he be hasn't great. played yet. Uh, so yeah. Weston McKinney and, and Brooks and you know, Gio Reyna versus, versus former teammate uh, Erling Haaland. Uh, so some of those are the things I'm looking forward to. Maybe you know Christian Pulisic against RB Salzburg, he gets a start with Graham Potter. Maybe that's an opportunity to really perform and, and start to, to get more playing time. So, yeah, and maybe Serginho Dest starts. We please, seen him. please start. You know you're playing against Zagreb. Let's go. Let's let's get some let's get some of our Yanks on the pitch. No, that's what I want to see. So I'm going to end it there. I agree with you. I'm excited to see midweek games for our Americans. This is going to be the last time these games that are going to probably be determined. And though it's probably already been determined, Greg Berhalter is going to name his roster for the September friendlies. It's looking like unofficially we're hearing that it's going to happen on Wednesday. Just so everybody knows, we normally have our later in the week shows on Thursday and Friday. When the roster drops, we're going to have an emergency podcast to break down everything that we learned and, and all the names that are on there. We're going to get after it. So make sure Jimmy, Jimmy, you turn wait, on your notifications. Shout out to Zach. We, I always yeah, get be, you back, Zach. Yeah, Jimmy, before we close this out, we have one question of, uh, has the Pepto worked yet? Are you feeling better? Are you not feeling better? I feel a little more spry. <laughs> yeah, so the Pepto's working. I, I did uh, douse a good portion of it to, in, in our first and only break of the show. Yeah, yes, thank you. Internal thank you. Thank you for job. asking, everybody. I appreciate that you're concerned about my well-being. That means a lot. That's why we love this in Soccer We Trust community. All right, everybody, that is it, though. We are done. So on behalf of producer Lisa Roman, shout out to producer Lisa, producer Des, producer Alex, Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies, Hollywood Heath Pierce. I'm Jimmy Trashcan Conrad, and I can't That's wait. Shout out attacking third. I got another. I have Sponsorship another Jimmy Pepto Bismol Conrad. Yeah, shout out to Attacking Third. Lisa does a great job hosting that one. So if you want any news on the women's soccer fronts, make sure you follow and support the Attacking Third. We'd appreciate that. And then we'll see you guys for the Emergency Roster p- Podcast. I think that's going to be the next one. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening and watching. Later. Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!